stories within stories, meanings that point upwards, the cross behind the camera. We're Josh and Brandon, and this is Crossover Collab, Director's Court. Pew Pew. So, I know you're being very excited about Rango. Rango, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we start every single episode with some sort of excerpt from like a soundtrack or the the composition of a of the the genre. I mean, it's it's brilliant. I I love the soundtrack for Rango. It's I mean, I love time. everything about Rango. Let, let, let's be Yeah, honest. yeah, true. True. Uh, why? Why else would we be talking about this movie that of I'm course. pretty sure everyone else will have forgotten about? Oh no! Even though think, it deserves to be remembered for generations, I think it's it's a classic. And actually, I've just realised in the last five years, there's been a lot of quite inventive, great reimaginings of the Western genre. I know yeah. we've we've jawed around with the Mandalorian, obviously about. <laughs> Did you know it was influenced by spaghetti westerns? <laughs> um, um, Brandon, you're gonna have to remind me. I I don't remember ever having a single conversation with you about the Mandalorian being inspired by westerns. Like, why? No. Why would you even suggest that? Star <laughs> Star Wars as well is cle- clearly not in any way influenced by westerns, which in themselves are influenced by samurai movies. That wouldn't that wouldn't be a, a thing. No, 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 absolutely. It's all completely original, obviously. <laughs> um, which actually, funny enough, when as you mentioned, I was going to say I actually really liked the remake of The Magnificent Seven, um, which was a remake of an old Magnificent Seven, which was also a remake of The Seven Samurai. So <laughs> that's, yeah, quite a lot of remakes there. That I thought was pretty fantastic. Um so we've got like Mandalorian, Magnificent Seven, Rango, I think is probably the best. Now that is, um, it's quite a statement to make, but um, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. We've said that Rango is incredibly underrated and a fantastic merge of spaghetti Western kind of, see, it takes on the themes of it, but also kind of takes the mick of it as well. And then yeah. merges it with stunning visuals and animation. It's it's got the whole package. Definitely, I mean, yeah, just like watching it, rewatching it recently, um, seeing the animation style, and honestly, it's it makes me sad when I see animated movies that just go for that um, really bland, uh, like uh, Pixar did it first, and because they did it first, it was like that's their style. And then everyone else tried to copy them. Like Disney did it, Sony Animation did it, Illumination did it. It's like guys, just have a bit of originality. And mm-hmm. I love that about Rango. That like, it's such a gritty looking film. Like the to the same extent as like the Ennio Morricone films. I mean, disclaimer: um, I actually I've got the box set of like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly and stuff, but haven't oh, seen nice. any of them yet. 
because uh, (laughs) I am I am a traitor to the art form that I've devoted my uni years (laughs) to studying. Uh, (laughs) um, So yeah, I I still need to get on that watching them, but um, Mm. I I, I'm familiar enough with the the traits of of Western movies to to know that Rango is a brilliant subversion of the genre and it it takes in a really cool direction and Mm. there are a lot of really interesting themes to look at within that story uh the main one i think to focus on um this idea of uh the character rango uh how he's actually a nameless character and struggles with this issue of identity the whole way through so i thought it'd be good for us to unpack that and then look at maybe some of the other themes that pop up as well yeah yeah i love i'm going to jump right to the end of the film fully enough to kind of discuss this theme but it's it's such a simple premise yet conveyed beautifully and effectively on that we and do you know what Quite honestly, I am really struggling with the theme that we're about to identify right now, which is the concept of always pursuing and pursuing um, an identity and sometimes an unrealistic uh, perception of what we think that we are going to be and who we want to be. Mm. Um, And I love that the... (laughs) The spirit of the West, which is just Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that was fantastic. How it's ba- he's basically saying, accept the present. Like you're you're thinking about um the future and that you have to be this great hero. However, that's focused on you. And it brings in a I think a very beautiful scriptural theme into that, uh into there, which is just be present and look out for those that are around you in the context right now. So, yeah, fully enough, you found yourself in a great story where you've got a, a town that is without, wa- uh, without water and you've got a corrupt leader. And lo and behold, you're in a situation where you actually can help. So go do that. And he gains his identity and his character more from what he simply knows that he has to do and what he's called to do rather yeah, than yeah. um rather than doing something to fulfill his want of being a character yeah yeah that that's um, a key thing because uh, at the start of the film you know when he's like who am i i could be anybody and um invents all these different characters he could be so when when he arrives at the town it's it's played off as a joke, which I think is one of the brilliant things about the film, that there are so many of the bits of comedy in it that are actually really yeah. deep and meaningful. So mm-hmm. when he first walks in, he sees all these different townspeople walking in really strange ways, and he mimics their movements because of when uh, he's in the desert on the way to the town, gets attacked by the hawk, and the last thing he's told before that is, uh, try to blend in. So He's like, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? So um, when he gets to the town, he's like, right, blend in, blend in. So he now is like, how do I define my character? I'm, I'm, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. How do I become the character that is needed for this story kind of thing? Yeah. So then he defines himself uh, by these different walks, these ridiculously stupid walks. 
And the thing that I found really interesting was when he hears music coming from the saloon and decides to go in there, he chooses not to walk normally, but to walk like the last person that he mimics, or maybe the uh, second or yeah. whatever. So right. he's he like thinks about, right, which of these characters is the most likely to fit into the saloon? And then he walks in that way. That, that kind of attention to detail in the film, I just, mm. I love it. Um, That's fantastic. And, and so, funny. yeah. Can I just quickly interrupt there yeah, as well? Yeah, go ahead. I am... Um... Just from saying that, I actually just realized how ironic it is that he's a chameleon and that actually <laughs> he's struggling with, um, I mean, he can, yeah, he can, what do you call it? He can imitate people quite well, but like he sucks at actually having an identity. And obviously that was, I think that was their intention to be yeah, like, oh, yeah. he's a chameleon that can't actually, oh, then again, I don't know. It's. I think it's an interesting perspective because technically you could you could say that a chameleon is always its a, its identity is in imitating other things, and that it, it may not have it. That's too. It's too deep. I'm going to cut this bit out. Continue. <laughs> well, well um, <laughs> it it is quite an interesting one because like the whole way through the film, Rango stands out because he is different from everyone and spends the whole time trying to like appear like everyone else and when he uh, adopts the persona of the sheriff um he he dresses the part but he doesn't know how to actually be a sheriff and then he places all of his identity in the symbolism around being a sheriff rather than the actual like he he is more himself when he's actually helping out the townspeople and trying to get the water back and all of that and in his own kind of quirky way and how the people actually put their, their hope and faith into this, this character that he's built up. But, um, well, he thinks that they've put their faith into what he, like the symbolism around him, like the sheriff, the sign, the hat, the gun with one bullet, all of that. But they've actually put their faith in him specifically because of that, that, uh, individuality that he brings and that only he could it could be the one to kind of bring that change to the town uh they needed someone different to come in and help them with their problem and uh that moment when he's uh confronting the spirit of the west who he's not sure exists or not and that sequence as well we're not sure if it really happened or if it's like a dream or whatever but uh, it, it's really cleverly filmed like that to, I say filmed, animated, um, to make it very surreal and like a transcendent experience. It's, it's great. Um, yeah. But uh, when Clint Eastwood says to him, like, it's not about you, it's about them. And that's that's the framing that Rango is given that, yes, he is this main character in his own story, but his story is not about him. It's about the people that he needs to help. And when he's then defining himself around that in terms of relationship to others, then that's yeah. when he's able to uh, live out his destiny and, and all of that. It's really, really inspiring. And um, the the imagery of the uh, the screen, you know, when uh, they draw yeah. the box. Fantastic. It's, it's beautiful. And it's something that's always stuck with me since I was a kid watching it. Um that idea of like you know the audience is watching and and 
he he lives so much of his life thinking about himself and then it's not until he realizes that like yeah it's it's about the the others yeah i i really want to extract this um this biblical theme of see for for me it it quite clearly uh, pops out that i think a lot of modern christians today and rightly so really want to try and impersonate christ which in itself is very good and like that's not not to take away from that at all however we we discussed this um when we were talking about silence before we the movie yeah, silence by the yeah. way um before we even start recording our episodes and how the protagonist of the film silence he compares himself to christ so much that he thinks he's in he's in Christ's exact situation. Yeah, and yeah. We realize actually he's not. It's a different context, and so I like this uh, theme where, although we are called to be like Christ, because Christ is the ultimate embodiment of what humanity should be like, and what we're actually destined uh, and created to be like. Yeah, I think there's still this idea of of context, and so when you bring up about Rango having this persona of the sheriff, I feel like a lot of Christians have this. Yeah, we've got the persona of what a good Christian should be. You know, yeah, we go to church. Yeah, we pray. We read our Bible regularly. But it's like it's actually the relationship with the people. Are we actually fulfilling that character in what we're doing presently? Are we actually looking out for others? Are we loving them? Do we have that genuine relationship um, with God? And if we do, then we should love his people also. And we should um, love your neighbor, you know, serve them in whatever way you can. And I think that's where our identity is more identified in the context that we're positioned in, the present, and how we respond to that. Yeah. some people assuming that they are exactly in the same situation as Jesus. Therefore, they've got to perfectly imitate all the mannerisms and all the situations where there is that, uh, I need to be careful on how I phrase this, there is adapting, and I don't mean in terms of finding excuses to sin. That's not what I mean by adapt. It's about the situation now, like even our approach to social media, Social media is obviously Jesus wasn't on the Sermon on the Mount and saying, see these tweets from Trump and whatnot. Like it, you know, it's so, and we, I think we obviously have a responsibility and a different calling to act um, with no reference to how Jesus would act um, from scripture, but we know from our relationship on how to um, respond and how to act as a person of faith. So yeah, yeah, I I think as well with the idea of identity in the Bible, so much of it is that like we we put our identity in Christ and mm-hmm. in that sort of relationship with Christ. Yeah, um, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at with uh, Rango, how he initially in his loneliness defines himself as undefined. <laughs> Um, and when he has that conflict with himself where, you know, these, uh, imaginary friends, he's like, what do you mean? My character is undefined. It's like, he's cause he knows. And 
his central struggle is that loneliness that without those relationships he doesn't know what his purpose is he doesn't know who he is and it's this kind of existentialist idea i suppose he could be anything and mm. is therefore nothing um yeah. he he is meaningless he has no purpose all of that and um when he's like yeah i i need conflict yeah, he needs conflict in order to discover who he is and um through that conflict of the town and the mayor controlling the water and all of that like he is able to then find that purpose and then form bonds with these other people and you know it was part of his personality that is always there no matter what persona he adapts um he then discovers his true identity through those relationships with others and I think an important thing to remember is like uh not to define ourselves on other people's terms either yes um yeah. like yeah we're in in human relationships there's always going to be a level of uh imperfection mm-hmm. and so you know purely defining ourselves based on them is not a good idea either but um i guess when to create a more true picture of ourselves that's why we as christians believe going to going to god for our identity he he knows how he made us who he made us to be and by having that relationship with him as well in the same way that rango discovers his purpose through relationship we can discover ours and um, because you know the more we know the heart of god the more we can know what our place is within his story um rather than trying to define it on our own terms that this is our story and how are we going to choose to live it? Because as Rango discovered, you can live it any way you want and still be unhappy. Uh, he realized that surrendering himself, giving up his own uh, kind of wants and needs mm-hmm. in order to then help out these other people, that was the way that he discovered who he really was. Yeah, that's it. I, I think, the uh, any event that kind of occurs through life our stories ultimately facilitate the opportunity for us to act and therefore show our true colors yeah um, yeah that's right i guess it's that <laughs> i know that rango's like more of a child's film well it's a bit i don't know it's one of those where it really is it's like shrek it's like a it serves both children <laughs> and adults. yeah yeah um but I'm going to bring in a dark reference of um, it's what the Joker says in The Dark Knight, where he basically talks about how um, it's very grim, but he likes to use knives because he likes to um, savor what people do before they die. Because he said it's when it's before they die that they show their real, their true colors, who they really are. Mm. It's a very dark reference, very awful, it's disgusting. But I think from that. It's just, it's just because it popped into my head. Um, I feel that kind of idea where there are events, particularly those of conflict and struggle, which we've talked about recently as well, yeah. um, that actually do facilitate the opportunity for us to see who we really are and you know how we respond. And we could also take decisions from there to go, did I respond to that um, in a good way? And if not, then I learn from that. And... I can uh, grow from there. So I feel like it's really interesting, this theme that's just popped up on that, actually how 
the story that's just presented to Rango actually allows him to find who he is through the way that he acts and how how he resolves and responds to the situations. Yeah, um, and that it's it's more than just changing the external trappings of you know what what he wears or what how the kind of character archetype he wants to present himself as who he truly is, is the result of his actions and how he interacts with the story. And that's something we see the inverse of with uh, the mayor and his crew that um, when we're first introduced to his uh, mob, effectively, they are outlaws. They appear very much like this band. Well, the, the first thing they do, their first appearance, they burst into the saloon uh, shooting at this uh, bird's feet and he's like dancing uh, to avoid the bullets and they're all laughing and stuff and it's like all oh, right these are like the kind of cowboy outlaw types and you've immediately like put them into a box of a, an archetype yeah. and then uh, at the end of the movie um, when the mayor uh, then turns on rattlesnake jake who's like at the top of that kind of outlaw system he's like the most feared outlaw in in the west um the mayor's like there's no place in our new world for outlaws uh your legends and you'll be forgotten kind of thing um we're we're businessmen now he says and then those outlaws they're like yes we we got new hats yeah and (laughs) that's a a really telling moment because um the mayor really is such a brilliant example of someone whose identity is not just the hat that he wears. It's something that is deeper than that. And like mm-hmm. the outlaws, are they really any less outlaws just because they've changed their hats? It's like, no, their behavior is still the same. They are still doing that thing where they're uh, oppressing the weak and building up a world that favors them more than everyone else and that sort of thing they're just manifesting it in a different way they're trying to make it look like they're different and that oh no it's just business you know they they used to be able to get everything they wanted by shooting their way into getting it but now it's like oh we're gonna talk our way into getting it it's like it still shows the same character the same basic nature but um you know is being masked by a different hat i suppose um there was some, I think there was something else I was going to say related to that, but it'll, it'll come back to it. Oh, yeah, no, that was the thing about um, the scene when Rango is made sheriff. The first time I watched the film as a kid, I'd, I'd never got this, but he, uh, the, the mayor opens up this box and the camera angle is such that we see what the mayor sees, but Rango doesn't see it. And it makes it very clear that with the cinematography that mm. uh, the mayor's kind of keeping it to himself, this box full of sheriff badges. Yeah. And um, it implies that the sheriffs are expendable to him and that the the actual title means nothing more than the badge. So yeah. it's just, you know, it, it's irrelevant. He gets to decide who it is. It's an, a completely arbitrary system. <clears throat> yeah. So that's a, a really ironic moment where Rango sees it as this huge responsibility and the mayor's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's what they all say. You'll be dead next week sort of thing, thinking to himself. Yeah. And really, yeah. that really shows that the mayor's perspective on identity is kind of similar to Rango's to begin with, this idea that, you know, you the suit makes the man. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we know it's it's not the case. that. Yeah, yeah. 
a person's character, I think the reason why it's truly revealed by what they do and how they interact with other people's stories um, is because it's something that cuts a lot deeper. Um, it's not just this illusion of a character. It's it's your true nature sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I wanted to touch on the um, meta theme kind of that arises in this uh, in this film. I, I find it particularly interesting how the film sets it up to be quite like we need a story and obviously yeah. <laughs> it's facilitating towards um, him demonstrating that he actually needs to find his identity. He wants to mm. and you know we uncover that. I think I just wanted to touch on how genius it is to set it up to be like, I, it feels like a real introduction, but not an exposition dump kind of um, delivery. You know how yeah. like some introductions can feel quite cheesy and forced where yeah, yeah. this really just sets up nicely to be like, he's aware that he needs a story. He wants a story. And it's just so funny how, he said, "Just he need what is it? He needs something to happen, and then suddenly yeah, the event takes place. It, that is hilarious, and yeah. like that's why it's like it's just one of those balances of like he's right, and that's also funny. Mm. Um, and I think what's uh, more important as well with this idea of meta, it's not just used in there for the sake of it. I think it's is very intentionally a comment on the Western genre, and." It uses this idea of the the gunslingers. It's a it's a very uh, it's a key thing to that narrative. And uh, Gore Verbinski, the director, it's it's um it's a theme in a few of his movies. The more kids movies like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lone Ranger, and Rango, they all cover this theme of the old ways dying out because of a new. Uh, way that's taking over and the new way is always presented as negative or at least um bittersweet uh mm. so in pirates of the caribbean you've got this idea that these swashbuckling pirates who have the most vitality about them they're the most human humans in the whole narrative mm. they are being drowned out pardon the pun uh by uh the imperialists uh the the british empire who have settled all these colonies, have taken over the world, all of that, and it's uh, that um, quote: "The world hasn't gotten smaller; there's just less in it." Yeah. A uh, similar thing happens in the Lone Ranger, of course, where it talks about the American colonists and how they effectively killed out the uh, the native way of life, and um, presenting actually that side of the story that we don't get told as kids of the you know cowboys and indians thing it's like actually that's a that's a tale of injustice it's it is they did not come to bring law to a lawless country they just slaughtered innocent people because they couldn't 
couldn't get what they wanted. They were they were too greedy, and they ended up just destroying the culture. That yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's definitely a theme in Gore Verbinski's films, and and you see it in Rango as well. This idea that the old way of the the westerns and the gunslingers um, is dying out, and actually the movie shows through the use of meta uh, the necessity to have those legends. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's quite quite an interesting one when you look at this idea of um, Joseph Campbell's The Hero of a Thousand Faces, which yeah. for, for those who are unfamiliar, it's this idea uh, that the uh, literary theorist uh, Joseph Campbell proposed that most the- most stories can be broken down to uh, the monomyth, he calls it, the hero's journey, where you've got this hero who effectively is a chameleon they could be anyone like uh so the choice of rango being a chameleon in this kind of meta setting is very clever that we know he's the hero because it's like he could be anyone um and then you know the hero goes on this very set journey we don't have to take the time to go into all the steps that happen but they go through this kind of resurrection as a character which we see in rango as well that he you know, goes through this great loss. His, his sense of identity completely breaks down because everything that he put his identity in has been proven to be fallible uh, and temporary. And then he goes through this resurrection where he realizes it's not about me, it's about them. I don't have to define myself necessarily. I, I become defined when I then go out and help others. And he goes through that resurrection. You've then also got Rattlesnake Jake, as this equally legend on the other side of the spectrum as this antagonist and the fact that it's a snake i think uh, especially when we're looking at it from a more biblical view um i think you can appreciate the um roots of that of um the garden of eden kind of thing of the snake that exists as an adversary to mankind and the fact that the mayor isn't just uh, this manifestation of evil like rattlesnake jake is he's not this person who's come from hell like uh jake claims the mayor seeks to destroy those old legends completely because he thinks that society his society has moved on from that which when we look at this idea of meta it naturally leads us to a more postmodern way of looking at things um and so when you relate that to this theme of the old legends dying out and uh, we don't need these kind of superstitions and folklore and all of that, uh, it then reflects that kind of state that we're in today as a society where there's less of a, less of a reliance on uh, religion and legends and all of that. And more of a, like anything goes kind of, kind of thing. Um, so it is interesting how it explores that and uses the um, like the appearance of all these random animals and lizards um, as a way of exemplifying that in a way that people can access without going, you know, oh, I disagree because it's like it's this they're just rodents and chameleons and all that. Uh, so you get it presented in a, a way that's a lot more palatable and understandable. And then when when you see that direct comparison between Los Angeles, I believe it is, or is it Las Vegas? No, I think it's Los Angeles. I checked on a map. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and there's the comparison between that and then the new town that the mayor's building, 
That's when we go, oh, right, it's a commentary on society. uh, So, yeah, I... Sorry to ramble, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was something that particularly stood out to me. That idea that, like in times gone by, we, we've definitely had versions of society that have been more reliant on this kind of. I, I don't necessarily want to say mythos, but it, you get the idea of like storytelling, yeah, yeah. and then uh, religion as a result, and faith in things beyond what we see, and all that. Um, yeah, this idea of heroes and and good versus evil and all of that, and because you know society is moved in such a way that um, those things are not given as much weight, and it's yeah. it is more of a like you know each to his own sort of thing. Um, it is an interesting question as to like will those legends be remembered? Will and and I guess the message that rango has about that is that actually yeah those legends will be remembered and um people do have to believe in something they can't just believe in whatever they have to believe in something specific and that's why rango keeps going like you know uh as long as that sign hangs up there, there is law and order in this town um mm-hmm. and uh, just before it gets shot at which you go oh it's ironic because you know it's not hanging anymore, but it is by a thread. Um, yeah, the idea yeah. that you know, no matter how how hard the mayor tries to destroy this idea of faith, uh, he he can't. Yeah, exactly. I really actually wanted to link to something we we just talked about before recording, and how actually I think what you've discussed links very much to that concept of cancel culture and the idea of um, I think a lot of our society today is trying to rid of certain people and areas of history. Um, and we, we were talking... Funnily enough, uh, the lead actor in this film, Johnny Depp. Yes, yeah, exactly. Soul. Yeah, I know, right? Exactly. So, like, there seems to be, even though this seems like a a big... Um, kind of theme that may seem bigger than us. It's actually really not. It's very much in reference to what we do and how we look at the world. Because um, I think there is also get how the 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 mayor tries to get rid of this idea of myth and letting the old die. But um, this idea is very present right now. Like like we yeah. said about like Johnny Depp. Um, we're talking about how Winston Churchill, not a great guy at all in terms of his character. He was a misogynist, racist, sexist, not overly pleasant guy. But if it weren't for his great efforts in the war, then we'd probably be under immense uh, oppression, probably be speaking German right now. We'd be in this uh, dystopia and... So yeah, it's it's acknowledging that actually he did contribute towards society, and we're focused a lot more on the nitty bits of people's personalities and how we don't. If there's something we don't like, we want to get rid of it, and it's like it's mm. such a dangerous thing to yeah be a part of. It. It's just like we we need to if we're if we as Western culture 
really um, value our freedom of speech, then we need to actually have freedom of speech. If there's something that we don't like because of their history, we still need to acknowledge that. And we also learn from even the failures of history. Yeah, I think um, as well, a huge uh, biblical source that can help, I suppose, with this is, I mean, first off, the whole Bible is, if you're looking at it in terms of, from that perspective of, I don't want to be offended, it's a mess. The The amount of like offensive content in the Bible, I mean, all you have to do is go to any YouTube comment section and there'll be an argument yeah. over it so like yeah there's a lot of rough stuff in there that the church at any point if they wanted to they could just delete all of that and pretend it was never there um yeah. but they haven't and like god chose all of all of that stuff to be part of the narrative exactly and i think it's important it, it serves that, yeah it's like we we miss so much by ignoring the stuff we don't like. Uh, it yeah. was we we talked about this a while back, but about uh, the puritanical view. You know how um, mm-hmm. in Puritanism they wanted to just ignore everything that was uh, outside of like that righteous way of living and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. living in ignorance of it doesn't actually make it go away, and it it yeah. makes it in fact harder to deal with because you're not uh you're not prepared to deal with it mm-hmm. so I, I feel like it's it's a similar thing with, with this stuff that um i guess with rango like the the presentation of these outlaws is not an overwhelmingly positive one like we get this presentation of this town as it's really gritty and like it's rough mm-hmm. and life is hard there um I mean, we realize at the end it's only so hard because the water is being deliberately cut off and dumped in the desert and all of that, and that um, you know, the uh, the mayor, the turtle, is trying to control it to remake society in his own image, and the only way he can do that is by creating times of hardship and all of that. But um, you know, we are given this idea that towns in Western movies, like they're they're not good. They're, it's a it's a hard life. But it gives us that full nuanced look at it of the gunslinger as well and and these legends that are trying to be erased. It's like there is merit to their existence and we can learn something from them. Uh, yeah. And I mean the fact that the the story of the Western and of the, the samurai and all of that, like the the lone wolf, the, the gunslinger, the the hero, the un, unnamed hero, all of that, like there is something that is still attractive about it even to this day. And I mean, Oh yeah. I, we joked about Mando at the start, but like he's a, a nameless hero. Well, he's not nameless, uh, but he begins as, as mm. a nameless hero. He does, he's yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. the Mandalorian. And yeah. Um, yeah. The, being able to have that nuanced look at those mm. tropes and at life in general and, the more of it that's available to us, the more culture, the more history. Um, like that's the thing. I'm I'm all for having this uh, untold history, I suppose, um, the overlooked history, bringing that mm-hmm. to the forefront. I think is brilliant Definitely. because we can all benefit from that because it's more perspectives. Exactly. But when it's the point of uh, you know, ah, oh, those you know, the old ways are no longer useful to us, and we should just destroy them. It's like 
So. Well, what what do we lose by doing that? How how much wisdom is buried behind the things we don't like? And just exactly. because you know someone came from a time that we might not agree with doesn't mean that nothing that they have to say or contribute is uh, relevant. And and so yeah, that was something I wanted to mention from the Bible of the Book of Job. This idea that actually we get a lot of perspectives in that book, and mm-hmm. they most of them are bad perspectives, and yeah. Yeah. we only realize that from having all of them available to us. It's not like it's not like God goes, "This is the proper way to talk to me," and this is what the meaning of suffering is. And then that's it, because the Bible would be a very short book if that was the case. And it would get even more criticism of being like, ah, it's just telling you how to live your life and telling you what to think so you can't think for yourself. It's like, no, there's, it's ambiguous about a lot of stuff. And it presents a lot of things, a lot of perspectives in order to show us like what, what a better perspective is and um, to evaluate everything and come out of that argument with an idea, you know? Yeah. One last little thing I wanted to bring up before we uh, bring this to a close, actually, was you've already um, kind of brought it up, but the just the visualization of the main um, characters in general is just so honest and real, and it really just contributes towards this very authentic, genuine um, feel of following these characters. Because obviously you've got, um Hollywood's very much about symmetry and beauty and so it's really great to have like a protagonist that is uh yeah asymmetrical and the rest are like that funny joke of you got something in your eye and he's like he's 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 got <laughs> a literal that's conjunct virus and then uh Rango's like hope it's not contagious <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's it. It's like, uh, it's conjunctivitis. It's hereditary. Well, I'm glad it's not contagious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. So like that, there's um, characters, I think to rabbit, one of the ears is missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the first fire. time you see him, he's just like passed out in the yeah. bar. Like It is, it's so, such a gritty presentation and like the the you know spit on the ground thing and it's like what is in there spit blow my neck yeah exactly right that's what i'm saying it, it i just... found a whole human spinal column in my fecal matter once <laughs> i want to get that checked out yeah <laughs> exactly i could just call that movie so really that's you know that well um yeah i feel like it really is so similar to shrek in the manner that it's like we i guess it holds that kind of post irony kind of vibe where it's like we're going to acknowledge kind of the ridiculousness of the genre but also stay true to the genre of which we're taking the make of as well um yeah yeah like obviously shrek does that with like the whole disney yeah thing. and it, it gives a more honest look at the genre because it like sh- it it makes it very clear how ridiculous it is but also the merits of it at the same time exactly it's great i, I love that honest authentic depiction and it's just yeah it's great to have that in 
this this film and it's just it's superb visually obviously the the score is fantastic as well um, yeah watch so this movie please <laughs> it is fantastic yeah i will admit it is a great animation and yeah highly underrated so. and there there is a tombstone that says uh watch my beer sorry hold my beer and watch this and then another one in the same frame that says he's dead Jim on it. Like, come on, how good is that? <laughs> I love stuff like, like uh, that. Ah, oh, inside joke. All the ha has. What's an aquifer? Well, it's for aqua. I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last words? Well, I mean, just to echo what we've said, I suppose. Um, the theme of identity, I think, is one of the biggest things about this film and kind of the the importance of having something to believe in outside of ourselves, the importance of community, and actually that where we are the heroes of our own stories, but to remember that there is a greater story that we're all a part of and that we learn better what our story is meant to be about when we help other people find out what their story is about. Amen. Sound just like the end of a proper sermon. Uh, and I, I, I believe that if, if you need to be sanctified and redemptified and cleansified, <laughs> and rejuvified. <laughs> can I can I get the keys up here? Amen. Right. Hallelujah. God is Number. Good. Okay, I've already closed our eyes. And it's like you know, like a, a one four five progression or something. It's like don't don't use don't use dumb baby chords with me. <laughs> don't be like, oh yeah, uh, this is uh, happy and reflective music. We can talk about how unnuanced a lot of Christian music is later, oh. but uh, <laughs> this is yeah, about Ranko, so maybe let's <laughs> let's just make this the funny bit at the end of the episode instead. Yeah, of course. And um, just before I, I, I hit the stop button, um, no, I'm going to hit the stop button now, actually, and then we'll we'll. Um... Wait, wait.